The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I'm Pastor Chris. Welcome uh, to Coastal Community Church. Happy Father's Day. Uh, what a great day already. We've had a lot of fun this morning. And as Ryan said, we've got a lot of fun things going on outside. We're so glad that you came to be here with us today uh, for Father's Day. And before I jump right into uh, the movie this week, um, I want to do make one, uh, one quick announcement. Next Sunday, immediately after this service, uh, we're having our next newcomer's uh, reception. And uh, we have a lot of new people here at Coastal. I mean, even in the last two weeks during this series, uh, we've given away um, around 50 movie tickets uh, to first-time guests and the friends who invited them. And so periodically, we do what we call a newcomer's reception, and it's for those people who are new to Coastal, like to learn a little bit more about our church, uh, maybe meet me or meet our staff, uh, meet some other uh, ministry leaders, uh, and, and meet other new people. And so we do this periodically, about once every couple of months or so, and so our next one is next Sunday. And uh, you can sign up for that newcomer's reception on the back of your Connect card. Uh, it says RSVP to newcomer's reception Sunday, June 24th. Just check that box and you will be signed up. And um, we feed you, uh, pizza is provided, child care is provided, and it only lasts about 30, 40 minutes. And it's a great way to uh, just get oriented a little bit about to our church and uh, learn some things about Coastal maybe you didn't know before and uh, just hear about next steps. So that's next Sunday. We would love for you to come to that. Uh, so here we are. This is week three of uh, At the Movies. And like we've said, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a great series so far, one of the favorite series of our church. And so here we are with this week, Incredibles 2. Uh, so 14 years after the original, everybody's favorite family of superheroes is back. So I doubt very many of you have seen the movie yet. Uh, it just came out uh, this weekend. But that is good because our church would love to take you and your friends and your family uh, to see Incredibles 2 for free on us this uh, Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. at the Citadel Mall the Movie Theater. Uh, in fact, uh, we've got the whole movie theater to ourselves. And uh, we, we do this uh, every year during At The Movies. We pick a kind of a family-friendly movie and just uh, pay for anybody who'd like to go see it. So I realize that there will be a lot of you who are at work, uh, can't come at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but for those of you who are available, or maybe you could sneak away from work, uh, come, bring your kids, and yes, invite and bring their friends. So uh, the more the merrier. And uh, so we're excited about that. Just what you do need to do, though, is on the back of your Connect card as well, um, where does it say that? Yeah, uh, I would like to, uh, we will attend the churchwide movie, The Incredibles 2, Wednesday, 10 a.m., number of tickets. So just that way we know how many people to kind of prepare for. But even if you bring somebody, you didn't, you didn't check the box, don't worry about it. Just bring them. We will take care of it. So uh, this is a great movie to use on Father's Day. Uh, it really is, and um, typically for this series at the movies, you're, some of you are new today, you're wondering, what in the world are they doing? Is Pastor Chris going to preach from the movie? No, I'm not. Uh, what we do is we just use current or popular movies uh, as a hook or a springboard, just to then go right into God's Word and talk about spiritual truth. And, uh, but this is a great movie to use for Father's Day uh, because the movie is about a family of superheroes. And if there is a superhero today... It's mom and dad, right? I mean, those are the true superheroes, parents. And so we're reminded of that in the movie. I could kind of go in that direction. Uh, but there is something kind of interesting about this episode. 
uh, about this one, uh, number two. Uh, the father in the movie, the dad, Mr. Incredible, uh, he's struggling a little bit. And, and really quickly you learn that he is kind of wrestling, struggling with this newfound role that he has, you know, as the stay-at-home dad. And, uh, you know, mom's the one's going to get, you know, going to get the praise and uh, all the limelight, you know, being the, the superhero. And, you know, as I think about that, it's kind of crazy to me when, I, when you kind of realize that, like, okay, come on. You know, it's 2018, and men are still trying to figure out their role and their place in the family. I mean, you watch the movie, and at some point, you're going to find yourself going, especially in the beginning, you're going to want to look at Mr. Incredible and go, like, okay, come on. You know, you're the dad. You know, you're not staying home to watch your children. They're your children. You know, you're not a babysitter. You know, stop your whining and, uh, and, and be a man, right? Be Mr. Incredible, which, by the way, is exactly what uh, King David once told his son in um, Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 2. Listen to this. As the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I'm going where everyone on earth must someday go. Take courage and be a what? What's he say? Be a man. Be a man. You know, in other words, Solomon, listen, yes, I am, uh, I'm getting ready to die. You know, er everybody dies. And um, you've got some growing up to do. And I want to tell you something. Listen, take courage and be a man. And then, you know, it's really exactly what the Apostle Paul told the men in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Listen to this one. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. So here we are, you know, in the Old Testament, New Testament, same message, be strong and be a man. Well, that's the problem. You know, far too many men today are really still looking to all the wrong things for their strength. And too many men today are looking to the wrong things to define their true manhood. In fact, the reality is, you know, when you were growing up, you were basically told that, well, if you get the right job, make enough money, drive the right car, you know, get the nice house, handle your liquor, sleep with enough women, then you're a man. And the reality is, none of those things, you know, Cut the mustard. I mean, they all fall short in defining what a strong man really is. And so we have tried to define our strength through all these different ways. And yet the Bible over and over and over again says, listen, guys, your strength, your manhood comes from the Lord, your relationship to God. And so we, have, we live in a world that has really robbed men of who they are. It's robbed them of their true identity. And, and so we, we've been given through the world, you know, a picture of what it looks like to be a man. And let me be honest with you. It's a picture, it's a lie. It's, it comes straight from Satan. And so here's what I want to do today. You know, I, I want to use this movie really just to remind you of where your strength comes from. And, and I want to give you a better picture of your true manhood. Way far better than any superhero, okay? The Bible actually teaches that you and I were created in the image of our Heavenly Father, the Almighty God. Now, here's the problem, though. For a lot of men, and my guess is, maybe many of uh, some guys that are here this morning, you've got in your mind this, un this understanding of God as someone who is very distant 
and weak. And then on top of that, you know, we say, well, if you really want to know what God is like, then you need to look to Jesus. But again, the truth is, a lot of guys today, and probably some of you, have a picture of Jesus in your mind that looks like it was torn out of the pages of a children's Bible, okay? That, that Jesus is some sort of effeminate, sheep-carrying sissy man kind of skipping around earth, you know, passing out suckers and hugs to everybody, okay? And the reality is there's no guy on the planet that grows up thinking, well, I want to be like that. So here's what I want to happen today. I want to give you a true image. I want to give you a better image. The Jesus that we see in the Bible, truthfully, was a very strong man. In, in, in many ways, he was a man's man. But, he, but what I really want you to understand is that he was a complete man. You know, he, he worked with his hands. He was a carpenter. He was strong. I mean, there was a time in Scripture where he actually flipped over tables and cleared out an entire large crowd of people at the temple with a whip because he was so outraged by, by what he saw. He called people out constantly for their hypocrisy. But then, this is what's amazing. You see that side of him, but then also he would reach out to people and love people, and have conversations with people, and have compassion with people that other people in that day would have absolutely nothing to do with. He played with children. He cried at a funeral. He stood up for what he believed in, even when his closest friends turned tail and ran. He took a beating, the likes of which you and I could hardly fathom. He carried a cross, a huge tree on his back, up a hill called Calvary, and he hung on it, and he died on it for your sin and for mine. That's Jesus. And men, listen to me. You were made in that image. You are not made to be, you know, these extremes of a passive wimp or some macho maniac. You see, your manhood is not based, you ready for this, on how much money you make, you know, or, or who stays home with the kids. You see, don't let the world shrink you down into their mold of what a man should or shouldn't be, what a man should or shouldn't do. You were created in the image of God to be made, to become more and more like his son Jesus every day. And that's what I want to challenge men here today with. I want to challenge you to become more and more like Jesus, to get a better picture, a clearer picture of a complete man, the man that we are supposed to emulate. So I want to do that. I want to look at a picture of Jesus that we don't look at very often. It's from Revelation chapter 19. The whole passage is there on your outline. And I want us to see who exactly Jesus really is. Number one, if you're taking notes, Jesus is real. He is real. He is authentic. You know, when I talk about, when you talk about Jesus, this is the thing that I want you to see about him. He is as real as the person sitting next to you this morning. Which, by the way, let me say this. That means that you cannot be indifferent about Jesus. Okay, at some point in your life, you've actually got to make a decision about him. You know, and by making no decision, you've made one. But Jesus doesn't leave you those options of just like, well, I don't really have to decide. No, you got to decide because of who he claimed to be. Now, starting in verse 11, Revelation 19, it says this. 
I saw heaven standing open. Now I want you to stop right there for a moment. The good news today is this. Heaven is still open for business. Heaven is open. It is open for business. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been somewhere anticipating, uh, like a restaurant in particular, you know, to be open, and you show up all excited, ready to eat at this restaurant, and you find out that it is closed? Very disappointing, right? It ha that happens to me every Sunday afternoon when I drive past Chick-fil-A. I'm like jonesing for like an ice cream cone or a chicken sandwich, and uh, oh my goodness, they're closed. Like, ah, oh, can't they be open just for me on Sunday, you know? But, but they're not. Now, here's what I don't want for some of you in this room today. I do not want you to die and maybe understand for the very first time in that moment that heaven is now closed to you. That it is too late. Because all your life you have rejected Jesus. Now listen to me. Right now, heaven is standing open. And as we're going to see from the rest of this passage, it's not because you're a good person. It's not because we're good people, because we're not. It's not because you do good things. The reason heaven is still open for business is because of Jesus, because of who he is and what he did. Now back to verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. Now folks, this is Jesus. And two of the words here that are used to describe him are faithful and true. So every man in this room, I want to ask you a question. If someone were describing you today, would they use the two words faithful and true? If your wife is describing you to her friends and her family, does she say, you know what, my husband, he is faithful and true. Your children, today's Father's Day, when they speak about their dad, do they say, my daddy, he is faithful and true. Now, this is Jesus. He is faithful and true to who? He is faithful and true, first of all, to God the Father. He kept his eyes on God the entire time he was here on this earth, and he was faithful and true to you. You know, when I read through the Gospels, Jesus just absolutely blows my mind because over and over and over again, he never really cared what other people thought about him. In fact, he, he offended the religious leaders of his day on a consistent basis. He told them, you know, they're all going to hell. He, he told them, he said, hey, have you even read the Bible? You listen, you, you think racism is bad today? It was twice as bad in Jesus' day, and the people that the Jews hated were the Samaritans. And yet, there's this story here in, in John chapter 4 where Jesus actually approaches a Samaritan woman, and he has a conversation with her. And he's compassionate and loving and kind. Why? Because Jesus never cared what, about, what other people thought about him. He was authentic. He was real. He was focused on his Father. The thing I love about Jesus is he was faithful and true. Listen to me, men. That's the kind of man we are to emulate. 
Do you know why? Because what I see in so many men today is that when the heat comes, when the pressure comes, when it's not easy, when it gets hard, they back off from being faithful and true. Faithful and true to their family. Faithful and true to their marriage. Faithful and true to the church, to their values. For example, you're on a business trip, men. And after dinner, some of the guys are going to a strip club. You know it's not right, but you go anyway because you are scared to death of what they might say about you or think about you in your absence. You're at work. Somebody tells a dirty joke. You don't think it's that funny, but you laugh anyway. One of the guys shows you an inappropriate picture on his phone. You know it's not right, but you look anyway and you say nothing. Now, if your teenage son had told that joke, or if the girl in that picture were your daughter, it would be a whole other story. Faithful and true. Everything about Jesus is real. By the way, the hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that were all fulfilled in Jesus, they are real. Here's what cracks me up about guys today. Some of you are so enamored and blown away by aliens and ghosts. Woo! You know? I mean, seriously, you, you, you've seen a show about it on cable. You've snoked it, and you think, well, it's got to be real. I Googled it. Listen, church... Christianity, Jesus Christ, the most supernatural thing that has ever come to this planet, born of a virgin, hundreds of miracles. You know, he raised people from the dead. He healed people that were, had been blind their entire life. All real, all true, but people doubt that. And they'll say, well, you know, I don't know about all that supernatural stuff, all those miracles. And then they go home and they watch a show on cable about a pet whisperer who talks to poodles. <laughs> Jesus was real. The Bible says that he lived a perfect, sinless life. The death, the crucifixion of Jesus was real. He paid the price for your sin and mine. His resurrection was real. Listen to me. It was witnessed by hundreds of people. It was recorded in history. He was faithful. He was true. And that is our, is our call as his followers, all followers, by the way, men and women, to be faithful, to be true. In fact, let me speak just for a moment to all the single ladies here in the room. Listen to me. Stop settling for anything less than for a man who is faithful and true to Jesus. Stop it. You know, don't even go out on a date with somebody who isn't. You know, you ever meet a guy who plays the God card or the Christian card just to get a date? Sure you have. I, I've talked to the, the single ladies at our church. They have. And then you go out with them, and they pressure you to go further physically than you know is right. Listen to what the Bible says about that. 1 Corinthians 5.11. What I meant was that you are not to associate with anybody who claims to be a Christian, who claims to be a believer, and yet indulges in sexual sin. But listen, you know what? He doesn't just stop there. He says, or is greedy or worships idols. In other words, there's something in his life that's more important than God, or is abusive, or is a drunk, or is a swindler, or a cheat. Ladies, don't even eat with such people. Don't go on a date with them. Faithful, 
and true. How about you? Number two, Jesus is passionate. He is passionate. You know what? All men are passionate. And I know there's some guys here, and there's probably some women here going, oh, Pastor Chris, not my man. He is not passionate. You know, and, and uh, the guy's going, no, 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 Pastor. I didn't grow up that way. I'm not a hugger. I'm not very emotional. Listen, that's not what I'm talking about. You are a liar, and the truth is not in you, okay? I'm not talking about emotion. I'm talking about passion. And every man is passionate about something. Look at this next verse. Many people never see this about Jesus. Verse 12. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. Translation, game on. Strap it up because I'm here to win. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody who you thought, man, they got fire in their eyes. But when somebody's got fire in their eyes, what, what happens? Man, they're not playing around. And the Bible says, this is a description about Jesus. One of the things that I think is lacking in so many men today is passion. Passion for God. Now again, we're passionate about all kinds of things. There, there are men today who are passionate about their jobs. You know, we're passionate about our hobbies. You know, golf, fishing, working out, hunting. We're passionate about sports. Oh my goodness. We will do some crazy things to show our passion about college football, NASCAR, pro football, you know, March Madness. We will paint our bodies. I mean, can you imagine who does that normally, right? But we are passionate. We'll scream at a television. But then, here's what's crazy. We'll come to church and we'll look at somebody who lifts their hands and sings with everything they got in worship and we'll look at that guy and go, man, that's weird. Seriously? Do you know what Jesus was passionate about? He was passionate about you. He was passionate about you. He was passionate about his relationship with his father. What about you? What are you passionate about? Look at this description of a passionate, godly man in Psalm chapter 1, the very first Psalm, verses 1 and 2. Blessed, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of mockers. In other words, what does he say? He says, listen, guys, blessed is the man who doesn't chase after this world. In fact, it's interesting. Notice the progression here. Walk, you know, then just stop and stand, and then sit. You know, he, he, he walks, then, then, he, then he stands, and he's sitting down and fellowshipping with people who not only don't know God, they mock God. They laugh at the things of God. Man, let me ask you, who's got your heart? Who are you walking with? Who are you standing with? Who are you sitting with? In other words, who are you doing life with? Now, I'm not talking about reaching people. Man, God has called us to penetrate this world, to be salt and light, to make an impact. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about true fellowship. Who are you really doing life with? So he starts there. Blessed is the man who doesn't chase after this world. And then listen to this. But his delight. Now, what's he talking about there? He's talking about this thing called passion. What do you delight in? What gets your motor running? Man, what gets you excited in the morning to get up and seize the day? And what keeps you awake at night? What keeps your mind going? If I were to mention your name to a group of your friends, what would they say you're passionate about? To delight in means to be so excited about, man, you just can't wait. Verse two, 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. In other words, he's saying, guys, a godly man, he is passionate about his relationship with God and God's word, the Bible. He reads it. He lives it. Faithful and true. Passionate. Number three, Jesus is sacrificial. He's sacrificial. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, um, how many of you grew up in a home that you had a Jesus picture on the wall somewhere? Okay, some of you did. That's, that's cool. Um, I, uh, you don't see him as much today, but I, we didn't have one in our house, but one of my grandparents had one, and uh, a Jesus painting. Now, older pictures of Jesus, honestly, they're almost like glamour shots for Jesus. They really were. Because you'd always see like kind of you know, the top part of Jesus, the torso and you know, the headshot. And it'd always be like a filter on it or something and a glow about his head. And, um, or there was a picture of Jesus with sheep and, you know, and, and a shepherd's staff. Now, more modern pictures of Jesus, I see these sometimes today, have uh, Jesus where um, maybe he's surrounded by kids or he's kneeling, it's Father's Day, next to a dad while the dad's praying for the family. Or, of course, you don't see Jesus, but you see his footsteps, right? You know, on the beach, well, that's Jesus. So um, the whole footprints in the sand thing. Anyway, I guarantee you, though, nobody has this painting of Jesus in your house. Look at verse 13. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. Okay, anybody got that one? I mean, seriously, if you had people coming over to your house, you know, guests, and uh, you got that picture of Jesus hanging up, they're not staying very long. They're thinking, man, what have I walked into? This is weird. We talk about movies, like a Quentin Tarantino movie on, of Jesus up on the, up on the wall. But, but that's what it says right here in Revelation 19, that Jesus is dressed, dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Now, let me ask you a question. Think about this. Whose blood is it? It's his blood. Now hold on to your seat. I want you to see something. This is so awesome. Jesus has a robe and it is dipped in blood. He's on a white horse, but get this, the people following him. You know, again, the, the, the armies of God. Verse 14, the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. The Bible says that the people of heaven, the armies of heaven, they're following Jesus and they're clean. White and clean, dressed in fine linen. And automatically you might be thinking, well, you know, why don't they have blood on their clothes? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus paid the price. Because Jesus is sacrificial. Because of his sacrifice, remember, Heaven is wide open still, and those who follow him are made clean and right in the sight of God. This is so awesome. We are not white and clean because we are good people, because nobody in this room is a good person. You go, whoa, 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 wait a second, Pastor Chris. I'm a pretty good person. No, you're not. You're not. You, you, know, you ask most people if they're, if they're going to go to heaven, they'll say, well, yeah, sure, I'm going to go to heaven. Well, why? Why are you going to heaven? because I'm a pretty good person. You're not a good person. You, do you know why most people think they're good? They think they're good because they're comparing themselves to the wrong person. They're like, well, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm not Hitler. 
You know, I'm not perfect, but I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? That's their two options, right? You know, Hitler and Jeffrey Dahmer. Or they'll say this. Well, I'm not perfect, but I'm not like so-and-so. You know what? You are not. We are not going to be judged uh, according to, compared to so-and-so. We're going to be judged compared to God. The holiness, the perfection of God. Are you that good? Jesus was sacrificial. God knew that you and I could not make it to heaven on our own. He knew it. So God, in his great love for you, he allowed his one and only son, Jesus, to come to earth and to be that sacrifice. Now, parents, how hard would that have been? Mom, dad, how hard would that be? Let me tell you something, a little story. I, um, I remember when we uh, first started our church, uh, early on, uh, Lydia was uh, two years old. And uh, we brought her to church, and uh, she fell and cut her head open at church. And uh, we were actually uh, meeting downtown uh, at uh, Ashley Hall Girls School. And don't worry, parents, it didn't happen like during the classroom experience. It actually happened after church, like on the sidewalk. And uh, she fell and, and split her head, cut her head. And um, it was good. It was kind of worked out okay because we were, again, downtown Ashley Hall School, and that was right across the street from the old St. Francis Hospital. And so we literally just took her straight to the emergency room downtown at the old St. Francis. And uh, so you got to picture this in your head. Lydia, our two-year-old, she's just crying. I mean, you know, when you cut your head, she kind of bleeds pretty easily. So she's crying. Janet, of course, my wife, she is crying. And then we're, we're in the emergency room uh, with, with the, the doctor, and they say something that no parent ever wants to hear. We need you guys to leave the room. <laughs> because it'd be a lot easier if you weren't here. Easier on you, easier on her. And so as young parents, you know, we're on the outside, the outside of the, you know, the room there on the hallway, and we're listening to our two-year-old daughter scream for us to come back while they're sticking a needle in her head and giving her stitches. And there's nothing we can do about it. Now, as a mom and dad, that just rips your heart out, you know, because there's nothing we can do. Now, here's the truth, the honest truth. Lydia was fine. She really was, and it really wasn't that bad, and she was in the best place, in the best hands. But as a parent, you know, you want to do anything in your power to protect your kids from pain, even if it's good for them. Now, what we feel as parents in moments like those pales in comparison to what our Heavenly Father must have felt 2,000 years ago when he saw his son Jesus get beat in the face. When he saw his son Jesus have railroad spikes pounded into his feet and hands, beaten beyond human recognition, hung on a cross. And can you imagine God the Father standing at the edge of heaven, knowing just that at any moment, if he wanted to, if he could, he could have ended it all, and he could have brought Jesus back home safely in his arms, but he did not. And Jesus allowed it. Why? Because he knew that this sacrifice needed to take place so that one day you and I can be dressed in white following Jesus having been made right with God. He allowed that sacrifice to happen. That is sacrificial love. So what about you men? 
what or who do you sacrifice for? Are you willing to love others, sacrificing your own needs, expecting nothing in return, regardless of how you feel and regardless of how they respond? That's love, and that's what it means, by the way, to be the spiritual leader of your home. Ephesians 5.25 puts it this way. Husbands, love your wives just as who? What's it say? Just as Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself up for her. Sacrificial love. You see, what I want you to understand today is that you don't need to struggle with your role. You don't need to struggle with your, your identity. Here it is. This is the picture of a real man. The kind of man that we are to aspire to be like. This is Mr. Incredible. Sacrificial. Passionate. Faithful. True. I want to give you one final picture of Jesus. Number four, Jesus is king. He is the king. He came to earth 2,000 years ago. He took the very best that Satan had to offer, and ultimately his hand was raised in victory, and he still reigns victorious. Scripture says this in verses 15 and 16. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings, Lord of lords. I want to ask you a question. Heaven is still open. There is still time. Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? Have you asked Jesus to come into your life? Because Jesus is the only one who will, who will be able to make you right with God. That's, that's, that's the issue. That's it. And you've got to make a decision about him. He says, I am the king. I am the Lord. Now here's the question today. Is he yours? Is he the king, Lord of your life? Listen to this final picture of Jesus. I want to close with this. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. In other words, this is who you're to become more and more like. Your mindset, your actions, your attitudes, everything. This is it. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. In other words, he was real faithful, true. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. He did that for you, for me. He was passionate. And in, and in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Sacrificial sacrificed for you and for me. And because of this, God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name that is above every other name so that the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father, King. King of kings and Lord of lords. And again, guys, here's the question. Is he yours? Because you've got to make a decision about him at some point in your life. He leaves you no other option. The option is not, well, he was a good man, he was a great teacher, he was a great moral example. He never claimed to be any of those things, but he claimed to be the Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen to me, one day, one day this sky will split and a trumpet will sound and Jesus will come on a white horse with a robe dipped in blood and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is king of kings and lord of lords and you will either do it on that day in worship and gratitude and, and anticipation or it'll be the worst day of your life because heaven at that point will be closed but today it is open it is open. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting for? Listen, everything that you've been searching for it is found in Jesus. And the thing that you need, a Savior, the thing that you need, forgiveness of your sin, it can all happen in Jesus. not about being religious. It's not about being good enough because you can't be good enough. We can't. But God knew that in his great love, he sent Jesus. And so if you will just put your faith and your trust in him and what he did for you, you will be adopted forever into his family. And you will be his child, his son, his daughter. And then, man, our job is just, it's just worship. It's just gratitude. It's just to become more and more like he sees you perfect, clean, because he paid the price. And so you can come home today. And men, if you have already made that decision, then just be reminded today of, of, of the man that you're supposed to become like and who he really was and what he did for you. He was faithful and true. He was passionate. He's real. And he was sacrificial. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you for your word. And I thank you for what Jesus did for us. And Father, week in and week out, either watching us online or here in this room, I know that there are people here today who are ready to come home. They're ready to bow the knee and confess that Jesus is King and He is Lord. Listen, if you're ready today to come home to God, it's, you don't have to clean your life up first. It's not some long journey. It is one step of faith. And then God runs to you. Just pray something like this today. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, I, I admit it, I've blown it. I, I am a sinner. I've messed up. I'm not a good person. Compared to you, God, I, I have fallen miserably short. But God, today, I believe. 
I believe that you knew that about me and you, you sent your son Jesus to pay the penalty of my sin. He died on that cross for me. He rose from the dead to prove his power over sin and death, that he is real. And today, God, as much as I know how, as much as I understand, I put my faith and my trust in Jesus and what he did for me, what he accomplished on that cross. I ask Jesus to be my Savior. And not just my Savior, the Savior of my sin, but God, my King, my Lord. And now, God, for the rest of my days, I just want to follow Him. I want to become more and more like you see me today, brand new, washed clean by the blood of your Son. Thank you. And Father, today I also just pray for all of us that we would become more and more like Jesus, God. Each and every one of us. And God, today I, I pray for the single parents here in this room, especially the single moms who um, take on so many roles and responsibilities. And um, Lord, I pray for the, the single adults at this church, God, that especially the single girls, God, would they, would they not settle? And when they know that, um, God, there, there, there are men out there who follow Jesus. And I pray for their relationships, God. And God, just thank you for Coastal. May we just be the church you've called us to be. May we be a church that, that is passionate about people, that reaches out to all people everywhere, and just loves people, because we don't know any, anything better than just to love people and just to point people to Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.